Well, we are doing another panel season, and this is... I don't even know actually what number. I was going to say what number it is, but I don't actually know. <laughs> we don't because <laughs> we've done a few on type, yeah. and then we did ones on like you know relationship, um, right. like how yep. you grow, and then we did you know those twenty seven episodes on the instincts. Oh, man, yeah, that was a lot. Oh, driven to drawn yep. panels, you know. But we're continually trying to pull this thread to try and understand the whole person. So, what is this person like? How do they show up? How do we relate to them? And this season, we are definitely building on previous work where we're trying to take stock of how someone relates when you take into consideration their type, their dominant instinct, yeah, the flow of their instincts, their Enneagram stances, which Mm. we'll set up and explain what that is and how that works, and their attachment style, Mm. um, which is not a thing from the Enneagram, but we told people like listen to the episode with Michelle to understand better, more stuff about attachment style. Um, I also really recommend the Instagram account called The Secure Relationship has really good stuff on attachment style. So we are pulling this long thread to try and get this holistic picture of who we are and how we relate, especially in our most intimate contexts. Yeah. And the reason for the pairing, once again, between the two was because of primarily Michelle and what her work as a therapist. And she had gone through a certification course and said, wow, these stances, there's a lot of similarities Mm -hmm. between that and what I do and it's with attachment styles. So so occasionally we'll do that. We'll pull in some, you know, another psychological tool out there uh, and bring it in. Yeah. So let's begin with the stances, what they they are. So- When we're talking about stances, Enneagram stances, we're talking about this strategy of relating. Like, how do I show up in the world? And I don't think it's a strategy that's intentional, but I feel like I'm still learning so much from our panelists and I'm still like, I'm not putting these in the same categories as I was when I was thinking Mm. about this, you know, several months ago. But we have three Enneagram stances that we're relating to, and we're talking about how they work together, that these also have a stack, like your instincts. They seem to have a pattern of what you do first, what you do second, and what you tend to use last or third, Mm. your least use style. So we'll go through them. We'll give the classic sort of Enneagram perspective on them. And We also see, just like we did with the instincts, that there are anomalies. And some of that is because of people's understanding as far as where they are at that time, and they'll grow in clarity of understanding themselves. But there also can be an anomaly that people do tend to move in a different way than might be the norm because of the cultural overlays, which we've, you know, always come back to being a a major factor. So... Let's just go through the the three stances, the mm-hmm. at or against stance, the withdrawing stance, and the toward or dutiful stance. Because mm-hmm. those seem to be the terms we kept coming back to. We, you know, we, we went all around, like, which terms are we going to use? Oh, man, we we're yeah. trying to find yeah. better terms. We we're trying yeah. to explain them in different ways. But we came back to those terms because they seem to be the most easy to use in context because they're mm-hmm. very much movement terms. Yeah, and, it, and that's the thing with, with these. So feel free to look up the different uses of stances. There's different terms. So some call it toward, some call it dutiful. There's, there's all kinds of different terms. But the yeah. ones we're using, and we'll give descriptions for it, and you'll see us use them and some others in the podcasts, but we're trying to stay consistent with there's the 
at or against, there's the mm-hmm. toward or dutiful, mm-hmm. and then there's the withdrawing or away. Mm-hmm. So let's just take a stab at, at each one of yep. them. And again, what you said earlier, hey, I, I see things differently several months later. Yeah. I do too. Um, yeah. What I notice with the at or against stance, and typically these are the types that are in that would be the three, the seven, and the eight. Yes. Yeah, and so that did show up pretty consistently. So That did. You yeah. know, the, the classic Enneagram did hold up in that regard that the starting point for the three, the seven, or the eight tends to be that at or against energy is the first, the go-to strategy. Like I'm creating an agenda. Yeah. Right. Yeah. And so someone might say, well, I know someone who is very much against and they're not in, they're not a three, seven or eight. They Mm -hmm. they might be, say, a sexual four or they might be a sexual six. And so what about that type, you know? And we'll explain that a little bit. But Mm -hmm. essentially what we mean by at or against is people that tend to create agenda, whether by control or by persuasion or by pulling people into their agenda through charisma, Mm -hmm. there's still a drive towards (laughs) my needs don't get met by being absorbed into your flow. Right. They get met by me creating mine Mm -hmm. and you joining into that flow or you aligning with that flow. Yeah. And I think that's very consistent with the three sevens and the eights. Yeah. They want things to go in a particular direction. They are trying to shape yeah. The way things move. Yeah. And that is, to some degree, all of us have a little bit of that. So if you're, sure. uh, you know, you might be a two saying, oh, I do a little bit of that. And yeah, of course, we all do. Sure. But this is the one that is far more consistent in that area. It's a, it's something that is most of the time is functioning within the type. Mm. When we say it's your starting point, it's probably not the best term. What we're saying yeah. is it's really kind of the um, underneath. Yeah. It's either explicit or maybe not so, maybe more implicit, maybe it's a little bit underneath, but it's always there. It's that kind of energy that's always present. Even if you're not going there, maybe, maybe let's say you're hanging out with friends and you're comfortable and you're chill and Mm. and you realize like, I don't really feel that right now. I don't feel that, that pull towards agenda. Great. That's because you're in a good space. And theoretically we want us to be able to move in and out of those stances with a bit more flexibility and nimbleness. Right. But you'll see it be something that is somewhat underneath still and kind of flowing through your day Mm -hmm. with you. So that's how I would say the at or against stance. Anything that you that comes up for you? Well, I'm wondering if you saw this the same way because it kind of reminded me energetically of the instincts in that the initial stance is almost automatic. It's like very quick, Mm -hmm. almost before you start thinking and strategizing. But I started noticing that more in myself and the people I was around. And so I don't know if you'd seen that, uh, a similar pattern to that or not, or if you have a different perspective on that. or That it's automatic? That it's, yeah, that yeah. first one, it seems yeah. to be like quick, automatic. When anything comes up, yeah, something comes up for the three, seven, and eight, the automatic thing is like, I have to direct this. Yeah. Well, particularly if, again, if you're totally relaxed, let's say you're on vacation, yep. there's no responsibility for you. Yep. You're just chill. You've got your book, you've got your, you know, whatever it is that you like to have on, on vacation. And you're hanging out with people that you feel very safe and very comfortable with. Mm. Is your dominant stance going to be triggered or on high alert or? Yeah, no. Most likely not. Right. But does it tend to be automatic 
I would say 100% yes, because yeah. it's not something we're thinking about. This is the difference to my mind between that and attachment styles. So where attachment style, the theory is that you learned this from the way you were raised. Raised, right. I think that stances, it's a little bit of both, but I think you're kind of born with a predisposition, similar to the way you're born with a predisposition towards your type or towards your, mm. your center of dominance. You know, you might be more heart type. You're yeah. going to lean that. That doesn't mean you don't think. That doesn't mean you don't do. Right, of course. Um, so I think that that's kind of the way the stance works as well. So we're going to have a stance that'll be, yeah, I believe that particularly when I'm not chilling out at the beach or on vacation or with yeah. friends and I'm really relaxed, when the need is activated, which for all of us, the need to feel like our needs are being met yeah. is a constant, whether we're aware of it or not, it's there. And the need for safety. So yeah. attachment style really speaks into safety. Right. And I think stances have a lot to do with that as well, that in order to feel safe and to get my needs met, like that pairing yeah. created these strategies. Yeah. And that it works more often than not for me if I use this kind of strategy. Right. Yeah. And it, again, it's pre-thought, but you do believe that that's the way you're going to get your need met. Yeah. Is through the stance. Yeah. And, and for the three, the seven and eight, it does... Uh, you alluded to it earlier, but it does show up differently. For the three, they do create this current, like I'm pulling you along. And it might be through charisma or through strategy, but it's going to create the flow. With the seven, it's a lot more persuade, convinced. I'm yeah. anticipating and thinking about it. And for the eight, it's a lot more kind of like directive, could be elements of control, but it's trying to shape it. Yeah. So that is the three, seven, and eight. So that is what we refer to as at or against energy. So often in typing interviews, actually now, one of these three energies is the first thing I'm looking for because hmm. uh, it tends to help me get a, a direction. So I'm noticing right off the bat, does this person have that at or against energy when mm -hmm. they're, when they're mm -hmm. bringing it? Because just like the instincts, I feel like now interacting with them a lot more, I feel them and experience them more as energies. I don't know if that's just because I'm yeah. a body type, yeah. but for sure I start to pick up on the feel of that thing going on when we're mm. trying to have a conversation. Yeah. So. Oh, absolutely. I think it's it's great because, you know, you pick up on people's energies are, are the first thing. And we've said this before, oh, yeah. before words, before anything, you know, oh, yeah. it's, it comes up right away. Yeah. The next one is the toward or the dutiful. And I like the word yeah. dutiful because toward doesn't quite get at it for a at least one of those in that triad. Yeah. And this is a, a term, the at and against and toward, like some people had a hard time differentiating oh, this. Yeah. Oh, yeah. And so it, there's a lot of interpretation to that because at people thought they were moving toward, you yeah. know, and toward some people experience it as at, but really differentiating between those terms. And so that's why I really think the term dutiful is helpful is because it really does differentiate because dutiful is just kind of like, okay, well, what do I do? You know, yeah. there's like a responsibility. Yes, very, very um, much so. And that gets at the toward. Yeah. So the toward is like, it, dutiful carries the toward, whereas the toward doesn't carry the dutiful necessarily. And that's why I like that word. Good. So if you've got a dutiful type, which would be the the ones, the, the twos, and the sixes, you're going to have a sense at which there's a level of reciprocity. So this is, we've talked about the hard types being reciprocal. So two, threes, and fours, it's, mm -hmm. you know, it's it's that reciprocity through I do for you in hopes that you do for me at some point. There's or that I, through doing for you, will receive something out of it. Yeah. That I will experience this kind of fulfillment. You know? Yeah. Yeah. And the dutiful types, 
it tends to be more in the area of responsibility. So I do this because it's the responsible thing to do and I want to be responsible. Mm. And then in terms, I hope that you respond in kind. Right. And so there's a there's a looking toward the group, towards other people mm-hmm. and meeting them that way. And, and in that way, they get their needs met. Like, yeah, I've done my part and I'm hoping you'll do your part you know, to meet my need. And so this could tend towards, you know, people feeling like, again, the confusion between that and the again and the at or against, because mm-hmm. there's there is a movement toward and depending upon the type, mm-hmm. it can be a little stronger. Right. Yeah. So, sure. you know, you might get a, a type two, say a sexual two, who's a little bit more more toward that can mm-hmm. start to feel like a little bit more against. Yeah. Because it's not necessarily that that toward or that dutiful will be chill in the process. Right. And some know? people are very sensitive to picking up on, well, this feels like agenda to me. Yeah. Even though the the heart behind it is like that responsibility piece I'm trying to. Yeah. Because there is an element of conscientiousness that's really built into. Oh, very much very so. Very built into yes. the toward dutiful yes. stance. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. I think that's true. I think they'd have more conscientiousness for sure than than some other types. So that that's where that is different than, say, the agenda. Mm-hmm. Right? So the duty versus the agenda. I'm here to serve the group mm-hmm. and hopes the group serves me or the individual serves me in return, depending upon whether you're social or more of a one-on-one yeah. type. And then the at or against is much more of a, an agenda. Like, I want to set mm-hmm. the agenda and I hope that you jump into the agenda, you know, and flow with me. That would be the distinction. Yep. All right. Finally, the away or withdrawing stance. Yeah. So that'd be the four, the five, and the nine classically. Mm-hmm. Uh, this was a fascinating one. I think I learned a lot from listening to the withdrawn uh, stance because what I learned there was this is like a management of energy, which was fascinating because mm-hmm. I've always attributed that just to the five. Yeah. But then I heard from the fours and they were like, oh, yeah, there's a management, but it may not be necessarily energy, but it's a management of how much is being taken from me yep. in terms of my identity, my person. So the, the, the fours feel it that a little bit more that yeah. way. The fives feel it more as a, a management of energy. Yeah. Which but it's still like I want power over the requirement of my contribution. <laughs> yeah. With all three of those. Yeah. Well, I mean, just that like I want say – in the kind of contribution I'm making or what's oh, being yeah, required I get of yeah, me. Yeah. I think one of the really good questions you asked of all of the withdrawing types, and I was like, this this is exactly what you have to be asking is, like, what does the withdrawing do for you? Mm. So when you, something comes up and you may just retreat into your own head, we may not even see it, or you might need to physically pull away. Like there's something that there's a, I, I need to come back to myself before I can return to you kind of thing yeah. or return to this task or whatever. Like, what does that do for you? And we got such a variety yeah. of responses Very from nuanced. those three types. Oh, my gosh. Very nuanced. Yeah. Like, oh, I get I get a different perspective. I get a different energy. I am less attached to what I come back to. Like, all of these different things that the withdrawing energy does for them. But it's it's a strategy that serves, again, being able to manage the the energy or what is being asked of me so that I can remember myself before I have to come back so I don't get lost in your agenda. Like all of those factors could come into play with that. Well, so to all three, all three, not all three types, but to all three stances, there's two components to this stance, the protective and the connective. Yeah. The protective is like, what way can I protect myself from mm-hmm. being taken right. advantage of or being or losing Hurt. myself or some, something? There's a, there's a protective nature to it. And there's a connective nature. How do I connect? How do I right. how do I get my needs met? Right. And what was fascinating when we talked about the withdrawn stance was like, oh, that's how it works for you. 
Because to me, it wasn't intuitive that you would get your needs met by withdrawing. That made no sense mm-hmm. to me. Any more than it would make sense to them to be in the uh, against or the at stance to get your needs met. Like, yeah. In what way does that work for you, right? So because we're so different, we're trying to understand what. how do you get your needs met by withdrawing? Because you can imagine a relationship where a more dutiful or toward is in a relationship with a withdrawing stance type. Mm-hmm. And that is what's maddening is how in the world do you, how do you care about relationships? Because you obviously don't care because you're withdrawing. Right. You know, and then the other one to the other Keeps is like, pursuing. well, you're, you're, yeah. you're, you're trying to control me. Right. How is that in your clearly can't meet your own needs? You yeah. want me to meet your needs or something to that effect. So this is where it would create these massive gaps between people. Yep. When the withdrawing energy is trying to say, this is how I recharge my batteries. This is mm-hmm. how I find myself. This is how I protect myself. Yep. But also this is in some way sometimes used as a means to, if I can withdraw and come back to myself, then I can come back into connection yes. better. And so it was just, that's the starting point. That's the sort of energy underneath it all. Yeah. Even if I start in this case more dutiful, I still have the withdrawing very much functioning underneath and the dominant energy there. And so I want to make sure that I have done what I can to be able to then come back into the relationship and connect more deeply. So Yeah, yeah so they have to ask that question, like, who is coming back? Mm. Because for, you know, 3, 7, and 8, I'm not, they're not going to necessarily understand that. They know. You know, uh, and I've told this story, you know, before about when I was first married to Abby and like something would come up. I was like, we need to talk about this right now. Yeah. You know, and she's like, I'm going to actually disappear to the back room for with my journal for two hours. Then I'll come out and talk to you about it. Yeah. And I was like, well, this is like not right. You know, right, <laughs> it seemed yeah, wrong yeah. to me. But then she'd come out, she'd have her notes, we'd have the discussion. It was all fine. But she needed that withdrawing space. And like, I was ready to go, you know, right now. And eventually we just learned that, oh, we make space for this. Like, what you know, what do you need? And I think that is one of the things I want people to get out of the season is to actually go like, well, what does the person I'm with actually need? Mm. This most intimate relationship, what do they actually need? Can I understand when they're coming toward? And I can be like, okay, I want to make space for that. I really appreciate you coming toward. I just need a little space right now. Mm. Or like, I understand that you have an agenda here. Like, that's totally fine. And I appreciate the agenda that you bring and the way that you direct things so often. It's a really gift to our family or this partnership or whatever. But, like, in this space, we might need to actually just show up for our friends over here and just allow them to set the agenda, you know, because they actually know what's best for them in this situation, right? We're going to give them that space. So I think... The point of all of this is that we do have more grace. We have more empathy for the movement of another. And I think this is a game changer in relationships. So when you see how this person moves, and we mentioned the stack before, because we saw this showing up just like we did with the instincts that you have a go-to, mm. and then you have a secondary, and then one that you use less. Now, there was a lot more variety. It, it is definitely not a one-for-one in one how that works with instincts. Yeah. It works differently because some people, they really spend a lot of time in those first two and never go to the third. For some people, they can go through them pretty quickly. One thing that I thought was really 
brilliant that you brought to the instincts conversation is that in times of high stress, a lot of times people will live more out of their secondary instinct than they will their dominant. Mm. And I have suspected that might show up in some of the stance stuff too. Mm. Um, Interesting. Yeah, because I started paying attention to that with uh, a number of couples that I had conversations with and I was even listening for that uh, within within the podcast. So I'm still kind of curious about that. That's a great insight because I think that just made me think about me that I I think when I'm at my best, I'm definitely in the against stance, but I'm not in the hard edge of that. It's Mm -hmm. more of the initiation, more of the yeah. Mo- in motion, moving towards something. Creativity. Creativity. Inspiration. Yeah, yeah. Those are at energy But if I'm elements. stymied in that space, then I go to yeah. withdraw very quickly. Yeah. And I've spent yeah. a lot of time there, and it's not good for me. Yeah. That's not a good space for me. So if I can come back out and then live more from the other two. Yeah. Yeah, this is really good insight. And so I was talking, for just an example, I was talking to a one and a three couple. And for the one, very aware that she was toward first and then she tended to go to at second and then go to away last. But then her partner was at first as a three and then was toward and then away. And so they discovered that was their movement. And so anytime that the one and the three were coming into this conversation. The three is starting it at, and he's like trying to be, uh, the, the one was trying to be toward, but because their partner was at, they thought we've moved from level one to level two. Oh, yeah, yeah. And so now we're actually, we're further into this. It's intensified. The disagreement is intensified. You're interpreting so it as... Yes, that's the interpretation. When they actually saw the flow of their energy, then they could kind of come back and realize like, oh, that's your starting point, but you're not actually upset. Yeah, which is like (laughs) your starting point is activating my second. Yes, your your starting point (laughs) is activating my secondary. My second go-to, yeah. And for some people... like this, I had this theory beforehand and it, and it is not true for all types, but for these two types, it was very much true that you have your first one. When that doesn't work, you go to your secondary. Mm-hmm. And if that doesn't work, you basically give up and withdraw. Um, and both of them would do that. But they both found if they withdraw, then they could both come back to toward. So it's like seeing the dynamic movement mm. of the, these two types and how they work and then trying to discover what is the dynamic movement for me and my partner. And then yeah. how does our attachment style show up in that? But yeah. that that is a fascinating kind of movement because I've just noticed that my dominant, you know, and then I've got if that's not working, I go to my secondary and then I have my like, oh, crap, the world is falling apart and I give up. Mm. That last one can be the scary one for some people. So people who are very withdrawing and then they're toward, and if they're at is last, that's where they kind of scare themselves when they go really at Mm. and they get aggressive because they're not used to being that. They don't want to be that way. A lot of times they're resentful that you push me to that place of, of being like that. Now, if someone's at first and it doesn't work and then they try to really move toward and that doesn't work because they're really relational people and then they shut down, that can get scary. Like, oh my goodness, this is where I don't like that I can shut off my heart in this space. And for other people who might be either withdrawing or at first, yeah, they're withdrawing first and then they're doing that at secondary and 
then they're toward his last where mm-hmm. they just feel like I've lost I've myself lost because I've made it all about you yeah. in, in that. Yeah. Yeah. Because okay. that's how the toward shows up. Yeah. We saw it with a one five where it was like, you know, I'm pulling away and then you're kind of coming in. And so then I get, he was getting aggressive against. against. Yeah. 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 Then you're like, cue the, cue the flowers. Yes. Because you've lost relationship now. You've lost relationship yeah. now and you go to that toward last. Yeah. yeah. And there can even be some resentment about that. Like yeah. I, you pushed me to this place. Right. So. Right. Yeah, that's always, true because always, that, but, yeah. those, that third one doesn't work really effectively. Yeah. Unless you know how to integrate it. Yes. Right. Yeah. yeah. So we tend yeah. to be least practiced in one of those stances. Yeah. 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 And so there's this flow of that energy. And I think that's one of the most fascinating things that we discovered is that that pattern. Yeah. A, if two people, your first is my second. Now I think we've escalated when we haven't. Like I can interpret your interaction mm-hmm. that way. That we do have this flow. There tends to be one we use the, the least and we have the least practiced in. Mm. That being a, a major learning so this is why these cycles unaware actually don't work. So if you go to your third because it's the oh shit one, because you're like, okay, mm-hmm. now I, I've right. no, the first two didn't work. Yeah, That third one doesn't actually help you unless it's consciously practiced. Because what you yeah. do is you go to that because nothing else worked. Yep. But you can't live there because it's not your your natural place of being. So then you, you don't probably like it. You don't like it. It's not, no. it's not you at your best. You don't like right. yourself there. So then you come back, but when you come back, you sometimes come back with a vengeance to the yeah. other to the other one, whether it's the first or, or, or the second. You'll come back to that, mm-hmm. and so then it causes this sort of reaction to your own self internally, and you're having these right. like. So you know, I don't think you grow in that way. So the with energy, I think, is the key. Yeah. That's why I wanted to ask about what's the benefit of all three, and that we have yeah. we know how to practice all three with sort of conscious practice or integration. Yeah. Well, I think love asks the question, what does love look like in this situation is a great question to ask. I mean, you really care about someone, you really love them. Then you have to ask, what does love do in this situation? So it might mean I need to lay down my agenda and I need to move uh, like toward and be like, well, how, what do you need? What's right for you? Like, let me serve your agenda. Mm-hmm. Let me come toward you and do that. Like, I want to have this conversation right now, but how do I honor your need for space? How do I create space for you? Because mm. sometimes you forget that you need space and then you get wrapped up in our world and disappear in us. And you, how do I create yes. space for you? Yes, yes. That's a so. great question. Yeah. Yeah. But then for some people, it's just kind of like, well, when do I actually need to bring an agenda here? Because nothing's happening. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> You know, oh, I love this. It made me think of someone that I remember saying this to me. She saw me just like in this dutiful space. It was like, mm-hmm. I'm doing all this work and the, you know, trying to serve the whole group, running around doing yeah. all this activity. And she looked over at me. She goes, this isn't your thing. Get out of here. Go do something you you really want to do. And that freedom was like, mm. <sighs> and it was yeah. great because I could still, I felt like not only was I free to leave, but I also felt free to stay at that point. Mm. Like I didn't have to leave. It wasn't like, all right, I I can. But she recognized I needed that space to return to the yeah. more agenda setting and kind of let's get back on this. So I, I think that that's a really good, <laughs> not to trigger some people, but the whole WW. LD, this would be what would love do instead of, you know, what would uh, oh. Jesus do think. 
<laughs> the stance, I think, is is the with stance is that freedom to move in and out of the stances based on what would love do mm-hmm. for another person. Yeah. And it is deeply unsatisfying when you're not getting your own stances need met. Yep. So if you're in the withdrawn stance and you're saying, well, geez, I'd like to pull away right now. Yep. But this person seems to need a little bit more of that dutiful, that towardness. Yeah. So what do I do? So you lean in. You're not going to get your itch scratched. It, yep. doesn't, it doesn't feel great. But you'll notice that the hunger around your stance is a little less afterwards. Right. Because if you're constantly feeding your stances hunger, it's a beast that never is satisfied. Oh, my goodness. And I guarantee that people have seen the extreme version of all three of these stances. Mm-hmm. People who only live in that one. Mm-hmm. People who can, they can never go toward another or they can never seem to even back away. They're always just at, they're always setting the agenda. Yeah. It's always my way, the highway. Yeah. Like, that is incredibly And they're exhausted difficult. too when they live they're in that. They're exhausted yeah, in that. Yeah. And there's some people you've seen that are like, they're so about everyone else. They're like, always, what do you need? And it's just kind of like, I, give me a, a, you know, a little space. Like they're just so, mm-hmm. this is my only identity is whatever I'm doing for you or moving towards you in that way. And then we see people who are like so withdrawn, so shut down, they can't come out and engage. Mm. We've seen the extreme of people living in their stance. Yeah. But again, we remind people like you have all three centers within you. You have all nine types within you. You have all the instincts within you. You have all these stances within you. And it is, it's about the integration and the practice of them. Yeah. You know, in practicing sometimes the one that is your, you know, least practiced. Because I think, you know, there is certainly underdeveloped in in a couple of those stances for me where it was always kind of sloppy whenever it came out. Yeah. And I think that's an important part of the journey, but to really be in service of another, which ends up being in service to you. Well, let's, <laughs> let's go there that. because there's, there's two sides. There's one that's the love and what would love do for yep. the other person. But there's also in what way can the stance serve me? Because the stance yeah. has to serve you. Yeah. So there are places, let's say, for example, you are underpracticed in the against stance. Mm. So you're either withdrawn and then toward or toward and then withdrawn. Yeah. And well, what happens when you don't have the against stance? Yeah. You can get caught up in indecision. You can get caught up in. I'm either doing your thing or I'm out of here. Yeah. That's what happens. Yeah. I'm either doing your thing or I'm out of here. Exactly. Yeah. Uh, so there's very, it's very difficult for some of those people to draw boundaries, mm-hmm. to say no, to actually separate from that, which isn't really good for them. Yep. And so who set their own agenda, yep. kind of purpose and, you know, pursue a, a, their own ambitions, like extremely difficult for some of those people to do that. Mm-hmm. And what the terminology I learned from Janae, who is on our podcast, she talks about underboundaried and overboundaried. Mm. Like when she talks about the terms around boundaries, I thought that was really helpful yeah, terms yeah. because what you get sometimes with certain stances, certain types, certain movements, you get underboundaried, yeah, and sometimes you get overboundaried, yeah. And yeah. so that's one of the things that can come as a cost if they aren't practiced and integrated. Yes, yes. And so that that's why things like like so the the against stance is helpful in that way. The withdrawn stance is very helpful sometimes when mm. you have been in the sort of motion doing mm-hmm. active and you're not with you're not pulling back to actually look within you never checked in you haven't no everything becomes about someone else's agenda or the agenda that you think you need yeah thing you think you have to do yeah 
without actually pausing and reflecting, is yeah. this beneficial yeah. and helpful? Yeah. Yeah. Um, and I think the benefit of the toward uh, stance, the dutiful stance, is that exchange, which mm-hmm. I find challenging for me. I'm doing it far more now than I ever have. Mm. But that has always been a, a sort of struggle for me is that like the exchange of I do and then I receive in that pro- as well. Like there's yeah. a there's the back and forth. And it's not doesn't mean that the dutiful people do this well. It just means that there's an attention towards it any more than people who are in the against stance do do agenda really well. They don't necessarily. Mm-hmm. But it's where the attention goes. And so is developing it at its best. So the dutiful is the ability to say, what is my contribution to the whole? Yeah. And what can I receive also from that contribution? Yeah. Uh, what others have to contribute to my life. So and good. to stay in that space of like the back and forth. And that mm-hmm. seeks a sort of calibration. Yeah. It's a beautiful calibration when you can enter into it. This is like rhythm of back and forth. You're capable of seeing when someone's giving mm-hmm. and you're in the receptive mode. You're also back into the contributing mode. Yep. And I find that that is probably more challenging for certain mm-hmm. Types who don't have that mm. as their starting point. But that's such a gift in that space. Yeah. And so I think it's learning to move in that within yourself, like what is good for me, yep. as well as what is helpful in the relationship. Yeah. And Abby and I talk a lot about like the space between, like what is the nature of the space we are creating between us? Hmm. Like what energies are we contributing into that space? What are we bringing to the table? How are we influencing the energy that is moving, you know, kind of between us? And understanding the benefit of all of these things, like allowing that give and take, allowing that movement or that push and the pull, the receptivity, like allowing the tide to rise and fall, like allowing all mm. of these movements to happen. Yeah. Yeah. And and just go, okay, well, that's that's the space between us. And it is very water-like. It has a lot of yeah. dynamic movement. It can take the shape of anything like water does. Like that is something we want to have fluid and, and moving. We don't want that to become concrete. We don't want that to become hardened because that's when both parties in a relationship become immovable objects. Um, whatever it is, yeah. you know, one's always pursuing and one's always running away. One's always creating an agenda and one's always just going along with whatever that person wants until mm. the resentment builds up over years. And we've seen couples like that where I went along with this person and just did what they wanted for all of these years. And now I've had it. And I'm going, my, well, you didn't keep it fluid. You didn't yeah. allow the the movement, the dynamic movement. And yeah, maybe it was working for that person for a while, but now it's not. Yeah. So allowing that space between to be um, to be utilizing all of these things, mm. like all of these energies and allowing with to say, well, like, what does love do in this situation? And what can I contribute to this space? And, and I think one of the biggest things for the stances for me is like, when do I actually need to dial down my agenda? Mm-hmm. Because for me, you know, the eight part realized I create agenda out of my own anxiety that if you can't do this, then it'll become my job and I'll have to step in. Mm. So whatever your reason for enacting your stance, depending on your type, like what is the thing that you fear will happen if you don't use that mm. energy? And I think that is a really good it's question. A opening one. Yeah. yeah, it's super eye-opening for people to create growth when you start asking, okay, well, what will happen if I don't move toward them? Yeah. What will happen if I don't pull away right now? It shows the ridiculousness of that belief too, doesn't it? Yeah. Well, it does. It kind of exposes (laughs) it. It's just kind of like, oh, what am I? like, like, really? Is that really going to happen? Oh my gosh. Yeah. (laughs) 
like sometimes the right question I can uh, really escape my own absurdity. Oh, it, is, it is so true. Yes, <laughs> but I think that's a really good question to ask yourself. Like, okay, so this is my tendency. Hmm. Well, what will happen if I don't? Yeah, we'll we'll learn so much from that. Yeah. So I'm I'm excited for people to hear this season. Like it's been a, like a long time coming, and that we've been working on this. And these seasons are just so much work. Just to oh yeah, find all the people, and then you know do all the conversations that have them all, put it all together. But it's such a contribution to this world that we're trying to influence, and it's so good. And so I'm so excited that people are going to be able to learn from this. And I do think it will radically reshape the way that you can relate to your most intimate Mm. companions. So it'll be good. So thank you so much for listening. We are looking forward to dropping that entire panel season next week. And I really think it's going to help a lot of people understand how they show up in their relationships and how they want to show up and what's going on with the most significant relationships in their life. So make sure you are subscribed so you see when that comes out. So you can follow us on social media or keep up with us at theartofgrowth.org where you can sign up for our newsletter, take a free Enneagram test, a free instincts test, and get started on the journey. But that's it for now, my friends. I'm signing off, but you will hear from us very soon. This is going to get good.